0: Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddard.
1: What's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Thank you so much for joining me. Guys, I'm so excited to release this episode to you. Uh, My guest today is a gentleman named Jared Krenzel, and he goes by the name of Pig. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pig. P I G. Uh, Pig is a former pro gamer. He's an active YouTuber. He's an active streamer. And he still um, does commentary and travels the world and, and kind of commentates these live uh, competitive gaming and esports events. He. You know, I, I gotta say this is the first time I've ever gone into a podcast interview just a little bit nervous, and that that generally doesn't happen to me. But the reality is that that I consume Pig's content probably more than you know any other uh, personal brand or, or any other writer or influencer out there. So I've I've been enjoying Pig's content for for so long, and it was so cool to actually sit down and get the chance to to learn more about him and learn about his journey. So in this episode, we talked about some of the ridiculous entrepreneurial opportunities in the esports world and the competitive gaming world. And even more than that, we got deep into how these games and his game, Pig's game, StarCraft, and, and you'll learn more about that. But but we got to learn about how this game has played such a role in like his perspective and his his critical thinking and and how he approaches life and his career and and hard work it was amazing I, i'm i was like so floored by how um insightful he was and and his approach on life so Anyway, I know you're going to love this conversation. I, I seriously had the best time talking to him. He lives in Australia, uh, so he joined me from, from literally across the world, and I enjoyed every second of it. So please help me welcome Pig. Pig, thank you so much for joining me on my show. I've been uh, fanboying the fact that you've been on coming on my show for the last three days. I've been like so fucking excited for this conversation, so thank you so much
0: you're too kind man thanks a lot no it's, it's awesome to be here i uh, i 'm a podcast addict myself these days um so yeah it's it 's always a pleasure to kind of just chill out and talk and I love that kind of long form free flowing content is such a big thing these days so uh, always always kind of a pleasure to be able to be a, uh, a piece of something like this
1: yeah, I feel the same way so um I kind of just wanted to to get right into it there's a there's sort of an element of, of you being on my show, which is going to be a little bit unique in that uh, most of my audience members are are online entrepreneurs. And I think streaming certainly qualifies as you know, being entrepreneurial, but there's still kind of a sense of, uh, I don't know, like our society, I think still doesn't quite know what to make of it. You know, when I tell people yeah. how big, um, some of these esports audiences are and just how big the whole community is, I still get a lot of people looking at me like, wait a minute. So they just watch other people play video games. And I, I, <clears throat> even that it's a little bit more complicated than that, just because the the community is a little bit more like robust than just kind of sitting around and playing video games. But, but with that, I, I wanted to kind of get a little bit of context from you on what it was like before this whole explosion took off you know I've, I've watched some of your competitions back when you were pro and and I imagine the scene even I mean what was it, like four or five years ago was a lot different uh than it's like now so I'm I'm super curious just to kind of see like the juxtaposition between the two and, and maybe how you've seen the whole scene explode
0: yeah dude it's it's been a, a transformation right like um oh, was it probably six years ago now? I remember being at an event in Brisbane and uh, the taxi driver kind of asking like, hey, you know, what are you here for? And, and trying to explain it to him. And he's kind of like, huh? And I'm kind of like, yeah, so there's these tournaments and they're kind of like, it's kind of like a tennis tournament, but you're playing video games, you know, I'm trying to explain like how a 1v1 tournament works. And he's like, huh, and he's kind of like, you know, processing and He's like, can you gamble on it? And I'm like, yeah, heaps of websites. People bet on heaps. And he's like, oh, okay. And like immediate, that was acceptance right there. <laughs> I told this, you know, for him it was, oh, oh people are betting money on it. There's, there's lots of sites, Cool. And there's been so many of those conversations kind of over the years. And it's funny because these days, you know, anyone you mention gaming to, they're like, oh, like my nephew or my cousin or my mm-hmm. friends and kids plays, plays the Fortnite. You know, <laughs> they're playing this or I uh, I'll occasionally hear like some teenagers on like public transport and they're like literally speaking in Twitch memes and stuff. They're like, mm-hmm. they'll say Kappa or like, you know, like all this sort of stuff and like baby rage. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> they they say that now. I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is the new world we live in. So I've just seen this kind of crazy blow up. And it's funny because, you know, when I was getting into it, there was guys who, who've been around like, um, you know someone like red eye who's been hosting events since like 2003 or something someone like you know the the old guys who were playing warcraft 3 or brood war as pro players and and then commentators who kind of saw back in the day when it was like hey you'd have like your one wcg tournament a year and if you won that it was huge Mm -hmm. you know that that ten thousand dollar paycheck or whatever it was for winning it like it was not that much money and you know, there were little phases where things got big and then they kind of got on television and then it all crashed in like, what, 2009? I guess that was kind of coming off the uh, the wave of the GFC after a whole bunch of uh, investments and, and kind of dodgy companies crashed and stuff that were hosting some stuff. And then nowadays it's just, it's just grown so far beyond everything where, you know, I'm constantly working with companies from pretty much everywhere. Um, companies you would think, why are you guys even advertising in gaming? Um, <laughs> but everyone wants a piece of the marketing pie. Um, you know, young young people are really hard for marketers to reach. So it's this very valuable demographic. Traditional sports are having less people rocking up to their their stadiums every every week every year. And they're all kind of desperate to find a way to, you know, how do we get people to show up to events, right? Because their, their industry is, is definitely struggling to some extent. Um, and it's just this, this weird new entertainment space which has blossomed and, and grown so far. So I guess timeline-wise from the esports side of things, you look back at it, um, 2010 when I was first starting it, super, super, super just thrown together. Um, I remember when I started going to pro events in 2011, we'd be like, the first one was in like Guangzhou, China in an anime convention. And it was like this little stage and you were crammed in between like thousands and thousands of mostly anime fans. And, you know, the setups were just atrocious and uh, the prize money you'd get it like a year and a half later after the tournament was over and stuff. And it was, it was this kind of wild west different scene. And nowadays it's like, Oh, you're getting flown out. You know, there's, there's people who are getting, uh, personal trainers. They're getting, you know, sports psychologists. There's all sorts of infrastructure going up, you know, for the companies who want to host a big league and make it legit. They're they're kind of like, oh, we've got to make sure we have like healthcare plans and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we're uh, teaching the players how to market themselves and PR and everything's just kind of blossomed into this scene, which is a lot bigger than it was when I first got into it nine
1: years ago now. How does... gosh i gotta imagine kind of putting myself in in your situation because i'm trying to almost educate and have the conversation at the same time because some people that are listening to this aren't necessarily going to know um the the context that that you're talking about so i'll I'll almost take a step back Um, you're a starcraft player and and starcraft although it's not uh, the huge popular game, uh, in the United States, it, it's pretty widely known as being one of the most important competitive games. It it basically like brought competitive gaming onto the scene where you have this sort of traditional, like, you know, two, two computers on a stage and maybe a big screen behind them and people actually watching and and, kind of cheering on. So with, with Starcraft, there's been, um, like you said, like a, like a real evolution as to the production value, uh, behind the live events. Um, the advertisers getting on board, you, you mentioned some advertisers where you think like, what are they doing? Um, I just read state farm got involved, which <laughs> yeah, doesn't exactly. make any sense, <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs> but, but they're there. I think they put like $2 million into, um, liquid maybe team liquid. I, I can't tell you off the top of my head. So, so, well, when you talk about like this, this Wild West scene, it, it, you're not joking. It, it was really like that, where there's kind of a, a bunch of people together and servers would crash all the time and like the live feed would go down. And now, yeah, they're filling up stadiums. I mean, the, the Staples Center, what holds, I think, 60,000 people, and there was 40 million people watching that uh, League of Legends stream at one time. Like, those numbers are mind blowing. It's so big, you, you can't even necessarily comprehend that it literally is bigger than the NBA
0: yeah it's it's absolutely insane just how much things have developed and it's just interesting I guess streaming was such a big part of it was suddenly it was like you know everyone can put out their own content right it's kind of how radio is is kind of dying down now right but podcasts are huge and it's just kind of like hey this is that thing 20 years ago we talked about the internet doing and it Kind of is steadily doing to different industries and in different areas, where it's allowing people to kind of have uh, just connections on an entirely new level. And and suddenly, I mean, gaming—it's like it's just the the funnest hobby that works your mind. And, and I think for the you know, it's not just the young generation. Um, you know, I stream every day, and I have a fair few um, people in their fifties, uh, one or two in their sixties who watch, and are just avid gamers because they just love it. And it's it's just the coolest hobby and I think it's natural that it was always going to evolve into, you know, once you got competitive games and you saw like just kind of how fun it was to play these games against each other, that it was going to evolve into something where there there was, you know, spectator uh, side to it all. And especially with StarCraft and, and why I love, you know, my game so much is it's just so beautiful to watch because anyone who I think kind of comes from a background where, they liked kind of military history or they had kind of like any of that, like kind of like war game sort of stuff. You read your, your novels about war and stuff. It's very easy to immediately understand what's kind of going on generally in a Starcraft match. Cause you've got this kind of top down view of the map. You know, you've got armies roaming around and all sorts of stuff. And it is just like, for me, I remember very vividly the first time I ever watched a broadcast, you know, commentated match and just going, this is the coolest thing ever. I could watch so much of this. And I've had a bunch of those moments since then where like I think Battle Royale streaming um, just like as a first person stream experience is one of the funnest things ever. It's like you literally just got the Hunger Games and you've got one person you're watching from their point of view and it's a mixture of them making jokes while they absolutely destroy everybody because if they're you know they're someone who's pretty pretty incredibly talented and i've had these moments where i've just gone well this is this is good entertainment and i totally get it and i love this and uh it's just cool because streaming has kind of opened up a lot of those avenues and like at the moment there's this funny thing where you know esports has become such a buzzword and there's so many people into it and there's lots of the money getting thrown around right where people just call anything to do with Video game live streaming esports now. Mm-hmm. And it's like this weird thing where the, the hardcore competitive crew are like, no, 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 esports is like 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 sports, right? If if you had someone who made a TV show about them like running around, kicking a football around, that's not sport, right? <laughs> They'd be like, no, 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 that's that's entertainment to do with like the, the ball that is used in the sport, but it's not the same sport, right? Whereas, you know, sport competition is you've got leagues, you've got the best players in the world juking it out, you've got clear, organized rule sets, you've got leagues. So there's this funny thing at the moment where I think there's Um, you know a bit of confusion there about kind of like there's a lot of money coming into the streaming side of things with with people like ninja Who's is the biggest live streamer in the world right now And I think there's a a kind of funny overlap there, but it is all kind of part of the same technology Uh revolution with streaming right But it's just kind of funny because you see this kickback at the moment a lot of the old guard are Like this isn't esports and people like having these just inane semantic arguments on the internet And it's it's kind of funny to watch because I never get too involved but uh I probably do fall in the camp of being like, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm pretty hardcore on the competitive side of things. And I do see the separation and it's kind of frustrating if you're a, I guess a competitive person, you kind of mm. see these people coming in and you, you kind of like want people to realize like it's not all just entertainment and, and on the most basic level of, Hey, I'm like a, you know, a comedian or like a jester or whatever. There's the the professional gamers who are just so impressive, impressive purely off their skill. And, um, that's kind of an interesting thing that's just kind of popped up at the moment recently where I've noticed a lot of people arguing about that.
1: I I like how you you mentioned those kind of strategy minded people, um, especially with, with StarCraft, because I, I want to talk about a whole lot more other than StarCraft. But, um, you know, I sent you that tweet where I got the platinum badge on it. And I swear to God, it took me like four years to get that. And the amount of like, mental taxation that these games take and the amount of like strategy and just when you think you got it figured out you don't at all um <laughs> it, it like truly is a uh I, I used to play chess growing up and and chess was kind of the same thing like yeah you think you're good and then all of a sudden for whatever reason i don't know like god of the universe just decides like Nah, you're not that good. Like, go fuck yourself. You know, and you just <laughs> lose, like over and over again. And so, so I, I I really do think it's important. Not even necessarily to educate, because the society is just going to go that way, simply because of the trend. Because like this is too cool. Um, but it's more than just kind of like loser kids sitting around playing games, like eating chips. You know, this is it's it's high level stuff. It's it's real competition. It's real skill. You know, you don't appreciate the skill and the the quick thinking and the decision making, especially uh, w- with a lot of these games that that come involved until you really get into it. And you know, I, I gotta say, just just being involved with this game has has totally changed my viewpoint on a lot of things. It's
0: so <clears throat> good, isn't it? Because it's it's kind of like I think gamification is a big thing. You'll hear a lot of people who are into self-improvement uh, and whatnot talking about where they're like, you know, how can I get better at this thing? It's like, well, make a game out of it. You know, you set yourself goals and you kind of look at ways to improve, but you make it fun at the same time. So you're motivated to keep doing it. And that's kind of what video games just automatically did because they're meant to be fun. And there's a mixture of, you know, it's, it's problem solving and, 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 and enjoyment just kind of combined, right? Yeah. So it's this thing where it, it pushes you to think hard, but it's also incredibly fun and motivating to play. And there is still like that, that stigma, right? As you said, it's like, it's not just people, you know, sitting there with the, the mountain Dew and there's like the, the, the st- stain of Dorito dust across the t-shirt and stuff.
1: <laughs> like, I know. Why is it always the Dorito dust? That people-
0: <laughs> Good marketing or bad marketing? I don't
1: know. <laughs> it's, it's funny because like, yeah, people sometimes
0: still don't see that difference. And like, there are absolutely, there's, there's negative gaming, there's, uh, you know, addiction. I'm sure I've, I've, I've had borderline addiction issues with gaming at some point when I'm younger in Korea, it's huge, but they have such a serious, hardworking culture that, uh, escapism is huge. And, you know, they don't have many drug problems, but they do have a big gaming problem where that's, that's, you know, the drug of choice, right? You might talk about like a, an ice epidemic or a crystal meth epidemic or whatever, or heroin epidemic here or there, you know, in Korea, it's like, it, it's always like, you know, People are going to find an outlet for escapism, right, and for yeah. a way to avoid their issues. And it's just kind of interesting because you see this very different culture to to the West and Korea. And video games have that, where they have the best gamers in the world. You know, when it comes to esports, they have this this incredible industry around it. They also have, you know, they're they're a glimpse into our future when it comes to how do you deal with the negative side of it, Sorry. where they have social security number tied to their video game accounts. If you're under like 16 or something, uh, you automatically get logged out of any game at midnight because like every game has to kind of be linked to your social security number and automatically make it so you can't play between like midnight and 8 a.m. or something like that, which is super cool. I remember the first time I realized that when I was training in career and I'd borrowed <laughs> a seventeen-year-old's account, and I was in, in the middle of a game, and at midnight it <laughs> ticked over, and I just got kicked out of the game. I was like, "What?" And my friend had to explain to me, like, "Oh, this is because video game addiction is huge." And I was like, "Whoa! <laughs> this is this is mind-boggling."
1: Wow, <laughs> I did not know that. Okay,
0: that's um, going to happen
1: more and more, I think, in the, in the West. I, I, I think We've so. I mean, sure, um, yeah. you, I don't know how much like you read on my site, but like uh, addiction uh, has been a big part of of my life. And uh, a lot of like my website and the people that I talk to uh, has to do with people that kind of got themselves out of some kind of an addiction or or, or another. So like, I'm, I'm really familiar with with all of that kind of stuff. And and I'm just familiar with the concept that, you know, addiction doesn't have to be like you said, like meth or heroin or something. It's just anything to sort of get you out of yourself. So there's there's no doubt that 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 stuff is coming. Um, I just think I just think that we got to be prepared for it in one way or another.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's just kind of important to draw that distinction, right? Because like people do get confused if they're not big gamers and they kind of get, wait, wait, where, where is all gaming like that? And it's like, no, 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 there's, 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 you know, there's, there's ways it can be used. But with the competitive side, and I think that's what was so eye-opening for me is because I, I, you know, I grew up in the age where my parents were constantly like, hey, you know, get away from the, the idiot box. And I was like, no, the TV is the idiot box. This is the <laughs> smart box, you know, but... <laughs> Not not many people listen to me. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, it was pretty ingrained, this idea that playing video games was this negative wasteful experience. And um, it was interesting because, yeah, I was uh, a little bit older than most kind of players who get into it as a pro where I was like. 20 21 almost 21 20 or 21 and and you'll see most of the the, the top pros especially these days kind of get into it when they're you know teenagers just like traditional sports right because it's a long road from amateur to pro right there's a there's a big gap where you got to put in the hours and the hard yards with no guaranteed payoff right uh before you start getting paid and making the big bucks and all that so for me i remember kind of having this thing when starcraft 2 came out and kind of I, i kind of like was playing it and i was like wow I forgot the gaming could be like this where it's like this constant challenge and learning. And like, it's just the ultimate critical thinking exercise, right? Where you, you are constantly forced to learn and improve, but it will amp up the difficulty immediately because you're looking at a competitive system where you're facing another human who, who their job is to try to screw you over. Right. Their whole job is like just make your life just as hard as you're trying to make their life in this game. Right. And as soon as you move up the ranking, you're playing better and better people. So every time you overcome an obstacle, it's automatically leveled up, right? And there's a lot of things in life, um, at least in my experience, where you can go through without ever experiencing that sort of like just scaling difficulty where you're constantly matched, right? There's a lot of things like you improve a little bit and then bam, it's easy, right? Whether it be at a certain job or a certain skill you develop, if you're not pushing yourself to be better or it doesn't challenge you, you kind of don't get that learning. And I think that's what's so impressive with a lot of these games where there are certain um you know people i meet who have just become such good learners through either starcraft or other sorts of games or programs they've learned right like programmers um coders i speak to sure I, so good at problem solving always when it comes to like certain like online systems and stuff um you know my, my partner is an architect and she picked up like some of the mechanics of starcraft a lot quicker than most people and i could kind of see like oh right because she's got such a variety of skills um as you need to have an architect as an architect but especially she'd kind of um you know gotten uh, a lot of skills in in terms of uh catting programs and that sort of stuff and that had helped her her kind of develop but for me it was interesting because starcraft is so good at teaching you how to learn and it's kind of like a soft skill that carries across to everything else right it, it kind of teaches you how to simply put in effort to reap rewards and it's it's the hardest form of that because of what I was talking about with the difficulty scales in any yeah. competitive system, right? It, it never just gives you an easy ride for a while at a time. It's always upping the challenge. And that forces you, if you want to actually have a positive relationship with that sort of challenge, you kind of need to toughen up mentally a little bit and you need to develop strategies for managing how you think about things. So that's like the thing where I remember being scared kind of when I was, I was stopping being a pro and I was also considering just kind of going back to the more, I guess what you'd call regular workforce. And I was like, man, I've been playing games for so long. What am I going to do? But underneath it, when I think about it, I'd be like, actually, nothing could be as hard as this. Like nothing could be as hard as playing the best players in the world at Starcraft. Like, honestly, I can just apply the exact same skills I've learned here and I know it carries over perfectly because every single time I thought I'd gotten really good at something, there was always something there to trip me up every single time, and it kind of forces you to just have this super like long-term, hard work ethic mentality. Because without that, you're not going to get there. Like talent will not get you very far in a game like StarCraft.
1: There's a whole lot to carry over there, and and I got to be careful because there's um, this whole streaming element of kind of what's going on in esports that I want to touch on as well, but. One final thing that I will uh, mention with this sort of esports mentality is, I was watching a coaching video I think that um, you published, and you had talked about the importance of like learning how to lose and how not playing with your ego, because eventually everybody loses in starcraft i mean it's almost like always a 50 50 split you know like the really really good players win like six out of every seven games i mean i'm sure the really really good ones win more than that but on average you know what i'm saying and uh you know there's something that happens where you lose and especially if you lose in a way that you didn't see coming or that was like just kind of a dick move and you get really angry it's, it's almost like a really good uh exercise in learning how to control your emotions because then you have you know another minute or so until the next game starts back up, and you just gotta you just gotta let it go it's in the past you know i'm i guess i'm I, I guess I'm making a statement as much as I'm also asking a question with just how yeah, how has that sort of related to your life as well i mean it's I think it's
0: been huge, and it's something I still Forget to apply like every day, but just this idea of you know, it's like if if you are an an entirely egotistical creature and and selfish, you are it's a recipe for at best you're going to be happy 50% of the time. Because I I, the thing is, like, ladder in Starcraft and any competitive game like this, it's it's kind of almost like a, a super concentrated and distilled form of regular life, is the way I see it. Like, I probably have that human tendency to see patterns more, but I, it, I think it, it allows me to kind of piece the world together, right? And see it as one big network. So if, if I look at ladder and I look at myself losing and it being very difficult and hard, and, and I draw, I've draw i drawn conclusions from that where I've said, like you said, uh, you know, I've gone on this this spiel many times. Like I coach players always, I'm <laughs> always broadcasting and talking to a mixture of pro players I coach, but also newbies. And, and it's this big thing where it's like, if you're just in it for that buzz you get when you win it's just like i win i'm better than my opponent kind of thing it's 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 empty in the long run right because if you can't enjoy losing as well um, and learn from those losses, well, not only are you probably going to lose more than 50%, but like at most, as you said, you only ever win 50% of the time. And I think it's the same in life. I think you're always up and down, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, one day I'm going to meet someone and their life, no, they're like, no, nope, it's been an upward trajectory since I was born. Like every day is better than the next. And I'm like, when I meet that person, maybe I'll change my life view. But as it is, I'm like, no, it's constantly up and down. That's that's like like, you need to be able to not necessarily always enjoy the downs, but at least like ride them out and kind of like learn and take something from it, right? And and the moment it's like, nah, I'm just here for the ups, hells yeah. And the moment you start coming down, it's just like this horrible crash, it's 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 hard. And I, I'm sure, you know, like you said, you you you've talked to a lot of people with addiction, uh, you know, and you may have experienced it yourself. And it's it's something which I think that teaches you really well. Is like if you don't get good at dealing with those inevitable times where you're gonna come down or where you're gonna you're gonna um Break your new good habits and go back to the addiction, which is always inevitable, right? Relapse is always inevitable. Um, it's it's going to be something where you hate yourself for it and you're you're too hard on yourself, right? If you only live for the victories, you just you end up hating yourself every time you lose, and um, it just kind of is this recipe for for not enjoying life as much and constantly being frustrated. I find so for me, I kind of I I, I take that that thing as. The ultimate challenge with with StarCraft for me—it's what taught me this, right? It's this idea of you need to put in 100% effort, you need to care, you need to work hard, while staying mentally flexible. That's that's really difficult. And then when (laughs) when it doesn't work out and everything goes to crap, everything goes to hell in a handbasket. You need to be able to look at that and you need to be able to say that's okay. Let's control that emotion, right? So you need to like harness your emotion, to put in maximum effort, to be motivated. But then you need to be able to not let that just run away with you, right? And at the moment things go wrong, you can't just let that like run off. So there's like this real amount of like mental discipline. And, and part of that, it's not just about you exercising some Arnold Schwarzenegger style, like mind control, like you're just like, I will not feel this emotion. Because part of managing um, defeat and loss is actually allowing yourself to deal with sure. the feeling. And you know? like acknowledging and that's what- that you feel it. Exactly. Because if you don't, you're you're essentially bottling it away, right? And it's, it's going somewhere, but you're just not dealing with it. And if you actually focus on that pain and kind of like you absorb it, you learn from it, you move on, right? And that's like the, the thing you need to develop, I think, to improve, right? And you can apply this to, to anything. And it's something, like I said, just at the start of this whole tangent, I forget to do this outside of Starcraft sometimes. And whenever I realize or it comes to my attention or someone's like, hey, wait, you're always teaching people to think like this and start, why don't you apply it to this thing you're struggling with? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> why, why am I not? And I, Cause I'll have, I'll have fear of failure over something. And I'm like, fear of failure is, it's the dumbest thing, or at least it's the most useless thing. We all experience it, right? But I'll have it over certain things. And I'll, I'll not try as hard or I'll disengage. And I kind of remind myself like, wait a second, what's the worst thing that happens, right? And it's like, oh, well I lose and I kind of learn from it and I know how to do it better next time. And very rarely are we faced with decisions where it's life or death or it's irreversible. And whether that's a a new business venture, whether it's you just kind of going into a new career or whatever, I, I've realized that like, I've got to kind of take that from where I originally learned it and I used it just for this video game that I wanted to be the best at, right? And as I apply that to different areas of my life, I think it just kind of, it extrapolates upon itself and you just you kind of just go out there and you keep trying. Right. And like, there's these, these people who I look up to a lot, like various, um, you know, bloggers and podcasters and different people. And there's always like certain people who you kind of see and, and they they just seem to be like out there just trying things. Right. And they'll just, they'll just like, you maybe have one of those friends who just fixes anything. You're like, how do you know how to fix these things? Like, well, I don't know. I just try. And then like, I, I look up a dozen YouTube videos and <laughs> I buy the tool and I fix this thing, which nobody else knows how to fix in their home. And I'm like, that's crazy. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, I like, I know it's, it's just, a, it's kind of a fun problem that what's going to happen if I, the worst thing that happens is I, I, I don't get ripped off the next time I pay someone else to do it for me. And I'm like, shit, like, you know, just being able to apply that down to the most small things, like fixing a broken tap in your house, yeah. I think is like this life-changing kind of viewpoint. And it's something I'm trying to work on, on kind of adding into my non-gaming and non-career focused life as well with like, just kind of like how I, how I live day to day. Um, It's a struggle, but I think
1: it's one of those things that
0: just has huge benefits.
1: It certainly is a struggle, Pig. Let me know when you figure it out, all right? We'll write a fucking book (laughs) or something. (laughs) Okay, I want to transition a little bit because you mentioned Ninja and we we talked about streaming a little bit and I don't know the exact numbers. Um, For anybody who who is listening to this and, and doesn't necessarily understand, streaming is... More or less live video, so it could be uh, me behind my computer playing a game, and you can be basically anywhere in the world and you can watch a live stream of the game. you can stream audio as well it, it basically just means that it 's live um, but it's it 's become more and more of a, a branding element, right like people build personal brands around their stream, so i don 't know like i said i don 't know the numbers but i say there's got to be millions and millions of, of new live streamers in the last year alone. And what I think anybody listening to this who's interested in building a stream, what they can really, really, really learn from you, Pig, and I, and I mean this with all sincerity, is that it's more than just watching someone play a game. The, the personality involved, I think, is so, so important. So obviously, even in just this forty minutes from talking to you like you're you're well spoken and you're and you're super charismatic, but i got to tell you man sometimes i 've watched some of your videos and they 've made me laugh so fucking hard, <laughs> so hard, like just rolling over, cracking up <laughs> laughing where, where did you get the chops from? Have you always just had a sense of humor uh, do you like do you try to maintain an element of of entertainment in your streams or do you, do you just kind of let it roll?
0: You know, it's it's something where it's been a real, real, um, I guess, process for me. Because when I, I I've always enjoyed making people laugh and kind of having fun and that sort of thing. And it's interesting because I, I was always, you know, a bit of a joker when I was younger. But um, I guess I kind of like, I I, kind of like went through I guess a bit of a hard time in my late teens early 20s where I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I didn't know what I was doing in that. And I I think at some point when I was in my pro gaming career where I was like, I was like 100% just trying to be the best player in the world. And I wasn't socializing as much and all that sort of stuff. So I actually, I, I definitely lost some of my sense of humor and my ability to socialize and stuff. And in the last few years, I've, I've really kind of rediscovered that. Um, I actually kind of decided to really commit to like full, full time streaming probably almost a year, exactly a year and a half ago now, very close to that. Right. And um, yeah, cause it was like late, late 2017. And that's, that's, things have developed I think in, in the, in that last year and a half, I think my, my, stream content i put out has become a lot better um but before that like i was very dry and like when i'd stream it was literally just i'm here to play this high level play this commentary it's explaining what's going on in the game and that's it and i when i stopped being you know pro pro gamer is my focus i steadily started being like okay like let's be really educational and stuff and i was i was doing all right with it But I was kind of trying to do 50 different things. And, you know, you talk a lot about entrepreneurship and and everything here on your your, uh, podcast. So I'm sure you've talked to people who struggle with like overwhelming themselves and stuff. But I I did that in a big way where I was trying to do like my YouTube series where I did a video every single day. And I was trying to stream for like four or five hours a day. But I was also coaching like several hours a day. Sometimes inside those streaming hours, mostly outside. And I was also commentating events all around the world. And like, I just had this insane schedule where I was trying to just do like 14 hour days. And there wasn't a lot of humor and a lot of free flowing fun in the stream because of that, right? A lot of the content was kind of dry. It was kind of forced. So when I started going like really full-time with stream, I remember the few months after that, I was like, I was enjoying for the first time ever, really, really watching Twitch outside of the eSports competition site, but going around and just finding streamers across different games that I liked and, and just really enjoying their content. Finding the people where I was like, I want to watch the content that just makes me want to tune in every day. You know, like where you're like, you get home, you get a few minutes, you you lay down on your couch and you open your phone or you switch on the TV. And there's always like that certain thing you just, you just go to check, right? Maybe it's your favorite YouTube channel for many, many of us gamers. Nowadays it's our favorite Twitch streamers. And that was the first time where I sat down and just, I found a few streamers I really liked and I would watch them pretty much every day for even at least just 10, 15 minutes. And, and I just kind of enjoyed what they created. And I realized just how much fun they were having and how much, how playful it was, right? There was this playful element. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you're doing this all the time, like it's got to be playful. And I would hear a lot of them though, talk about how like, you've really got to do it full time. If you're doing it, you kind of commit to the stream so you can really get in your groove. You can develop your own endurance and your own ability to just roll with the punches and have fun. So I remember I, I really took that to heart. A year and a half ago, I went full time with streaming. and And since then it was like, the first month or two, I kind of focused on endurance, and it was like twelve hours a day, six days a week for a few months and Then I started kind of easing back on the hours and focusing a little bit more on just having fun with it and There was just little little things i 'd pick up right i 'm never a big fan of just trying to copy someone else 's uh, product completely mm-hmm. plagiarize little pieces hells yeah that's what you should absolutely be doing like I was listening to podcasts where I was like, oh, I love this podcast, you know, and I was like, you know, why is it so fun? And I, I try to kind of analyze it a little bit while I'm listening to it. Um, I'd watch streams and I realized like, okay, this stream is really cool. I, I really relate. Um, there's a guy called Grims who's, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty big battle royale and variety, battle royale and variety game streamer. And he's very hardcore competitive and that turns some people off. But I'm like, that's that's like my thing as well. I like love the competitive aspect and I like watching a streamer who can just get super hardcore and just like super focused on the game. Whereas the opposite end of the spectrum is someone who's always they've got to be talking twenty four seven, they've got to be joking because their audience isn't as involved or interested or invested in the gameplay, right? And maybe they're a lower level player. So for them it's more of like a constant entertaining act, which I think is actually way harder. But, um it's like its oh, own different skill set, right?
1: yeah i said so do I. I i think that's way harder just to be entertaining all the time yeah okay no, sorry I,
0: th- I thought you were asking a question and i didn't quite catch it um yeah dude it's so hard to do that it's so hard so i was um i was basically just trying to grab little pieces of like what he did and i realized like he would always um he would always stream at the start for a few hours where he'd be that'd be his most hardcore and he'd be like reasonably silent towards the start like he'd have a bit of fun he'd talk a bit but it'd mostly be just like getting in his groove, right? Trying to play well, getting his aim down. Um, And then like as the stream would go on, he'd bring more people on, he'd be doing more team games and squads and they'd all just be, you know, immediately he clearly would kind of shift the mode he was in during different streams. I noticed other streamers doing this as well, right? Where you can't just do eight hours of the same thing if you're streaming eight hours a day. So, you know, I kind of learned like, oh, cool. So I can kind of like, have like a structure to my stream where this period is kind of like hardcore fun, uh, hardcore focus at the start where it's all about skillful plays. But even then I can highlight those skillful plays a little bit better rather than going completely silent. I kind of realized like, Hey, I could, I could just, you know, I'm like, Ooh, whenever I land like a big shot and I blow up a big army or something, it's like, let's, let's just, you know, drop this line or, you know, have some fun with it. And just, I realized as I started to do this more, I was just having way more fun playing the game. And then it kind of feeds on itself as well. Right. Um, as I streamed more, I started realizing, wait a second when I'm having a good day and I'm really happy The chat is alive people are having fun everyone, you know There's this energy feedback loop that happens where people Donate more money more people subscribe to the stream more people are, are basically being active in chat and having fun And there's this feedback loop where if you're in good condition as a streamer and you're really focused on that It just kind of creates more interest. It creates more fun. If you're having a good time guess what people are coming home from work, they're switching on your stream. They want to chill. They want to have some fun. Um, For me, it's like, it's a mixture of kind of the high level content and some educational stuff in there. But I realized from watching YouTube channels, I love that, but I love it when it's mixed with a bit of fun. You know, day nine was the classic StarCraft educator. He was always just telling weird, relatable stories about his nerdy escapades, you know, awkwardly asking girls out on dates in the most awkward way possible and just (laughs) strange, funny, relatable stories in between these absolute nuggets of, of knowledge and analytical wisdom. And I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, why, why, why not? You can, you can make just about everything fun. And as I think I kind of developed that as a, as a skill, it becomes more second nature where I was like, oh yeah, I can just kind of talk nonstop while I play and, and do some analysis or we can just shit talk. We can just make dumb, dumb jokes. And over time, you know, any, any, I think comedian or someone who's really funny will tell you, um, and I'm definitely not a comedian, but I, I, I definitely have a lot more fun these days. It's just you've got to not be afraid to make really embarrassing stupid jokes and as you're more comfortable being silly And just being an idiot and looking like a fool The fear kind of washes away and you're more happy to just kind of roll with it And not every single comment or joke's going to be a winner, but you're going to be able to just Kind of free flow make fun of yourself, you know, not take anything too seriously and it just creates this playful atmosphere which I think we all, we all want to see more of, right? I, I know for me, my favorite entertainment is just when someone's playfully having fun doing what they love, and that just sends out a positive vibe.
1: Okay. You said two things there in particular that really, really resonate with me um, as a content creator myself. I mean, I have a weekly podcast, and I, I love the podcast just because I love talking to people, but in the In the same way that streaming is i don't know your art, I guess uh, i've always been a writer. I write a blog post every single day, and you talked about one thing where it's not plagiarizing but it's it's kind of stealing little pieces from people and I think that is such cool advice because uh, in, in my own experience, most people uh, i guess when they come out of high school, were trained to write these papers, and you have these kind of long drawn out paragraphs and almost just the entire paper is is just filled with words and it's not broken up. But on the internet, people don't read the same way they read a book. They're they kind of scan through things. So you almost have to learn how to format your content uh, to appeal to your audience members. So there's a guy named Brian Clark. Uh, he started this website called Copy Blogger, uh, which you know for me is is one of those same influences where it's it's basically all just about learning how to write online content written word content to to market your business and 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 to grow an online brand so that was my experience and i i just love how you said that because i think people spend a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to be like so original and you you can take influences from other people like it's it's totally cool if people like my style and like there's something from my style and, and your style that you can sort of put together and make it your own I think that's that's sort of how it works and then the second thing that you said, which I think is even more important, is just the act of like hitting publish and putting your shit out there because I think all the time like I don't know how many amazing poems or or great like pieces of art or I don't know, even potential video game streams, whatever, are just kind of hidden in someone's closet or something because people are, are just afraid of of what it might mean if they put their ideas out there and they put their thoughts out there or like, you know, they tell a stupid joke and they get kind of embarrassed. And so for me, the act of writing a blog post every day, um, I mean, it's it's turned into a much more like tactical marketing effort. But even more than that, it's almost like an exercise of just like, this is what I think. And sometimes I get it right. And I feel like really good about it. But there's other times where I'm like, I don't like this at all. But you still just kind of put it out there because you realize that it's not really one little thing that's going to build up to like a, a big audience. It's really just the culmination of like, practicing in front of other people and like being willing to fail and almost like, just sharing your journey through your content, and then people grab onto it and it's it's just amazing how it works what what happens when when you you, you stop taking like yourself and your message so seriously and being so perfect all the time and just just kind of letting it loose you know
0: exactly you just kind of yeah let let the process lead you right and I, I'm sure you've had those moments right where Um, I think a lot of us these days and it gets echoed a lot, but I I still, I still love it because I, I, I apply it all the time and it's, you know, try to make the content that you want to consume, right? You know, don't, don't try to please everybody because it's the worst thing you can possibly do. You're going to create, you know great. You've got, you've got white bread, you know, you've got vanilla ice cream or something. It's like, it's all right, but (laughs) no one's going to write home about it. Like, you know, you you want, you want something spicy, you want something weird, you know, you want to add your own, your own flavor to it. So you don't want to be afraid that what you like isn't what other people like. And I think that's something which, you know, as you just kind of practice, you have those moments where you look at something you've created and you look back at it down the track and you go, oh shit, this one was really good. And you weren't sure at the time because you've just done it and you're. You know, your ego is too tied to it, and you're not really sure. You're like, I think this is all right. Yeah. You'll kind of publish it, and it's it's cool when you look back at something. And you go, that was actually really good. Like that's yeah. the sort of stuff. If someone else did that, and you know, there's that 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 feeling of pride. And it's not every time, and no matter how experienced you are, I'm sure you still have ones. You go, ah oh, man, I screwed so many things off in this, or this right. one didn't come out quite the way I wanted. But there's like the the nuggets. Uh, become more and more uh, common. I think like the more you do it and the less afraid you are right because you're just kind of practicing it you're not afraid of failure over time because You're just honing your art and and you're kind of saying no it will get better bit by bit over the long term like, you know one one blog or one podcast or, or one venture might be uh, a, a, You know a failure compared to the previous ones But in the long term, it's always going to be an upwards trajectory if you've got that kind of no fear mindset I love it, man um
1: all right, well, we can kind of start wrapping this thing up. I, I wanted to sort of end. Um, you have just such a unique experience in that this journey of games has literally brought you all around the world. I've, uh, I've been fortunate enough to travel. I've, I've been to Scotland. I've, I've been to Germany. Um, I'm going to kind of Sweden and Norway this year. And, and I just know that travel is... It's Well once you go to places and you see other cultures, like you, you never unlearn that kind of stuff. like new cultures really get in you and they, they change your perspective, whether you, you want to or not. And I just always thought it was so cool how I mean you and there's, there's kind of like a whole little crew of, uh, of, of starcast casters or um, Starcraft casters, um, and I'm sure you guys all see each other and hang out or whatever, but like, I just want to know what it's like to be able to go to these places, to be able to go to China, to go to South Korea. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on what some of the European tournaments are, but
0: gosh, I mean, like, like, did you ever really
1: think that, that playing StarCraft was going to get you to these places all around the world? Hells no. I
0: mean, it's it's just been such a ride and it's it's so insane because... Every time, even if it's just like a little taste, right? You get to meet some of the local community people and usually very busy events. And a lot of the time it has been like a bit too in and out over the years. Mm. And actually this past year, 2018 was the first year where I said, look, every event I go to, um, schedule permitting, of course, I'm going to spend an extra night, at least one extra night minimum. And I'm just going to, you know, go to a local hostel and I'm just going to like make a list of just foods I want to try, places I want to see can be super touristy for me. I like, I like walking. I love walking around a city and just kind of, you just experience things, right? Like, Oh cool. You just kind of find things as you go. Like I, 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 <laughs> I'm, I I'm like fiercely anti-follower, right? Like I hate doing what people tell me to do my, my whole life. Ever since I was a kid, I like, I just yeah. want to go do my own thing. So like, yeah. you know, like e- even though it's, it can, it can lead to some chaos and some uh, lack of planning and stuff, but that's kind of where I find the adventure, and I I, I just love it. Like uh, you know, I had some real special experiences in the last year, just kind of hanging out in uh, Austin and in, in Montreal uh, and a few other places, and just kind of getting to experience them a little bit. And it, it really is this just insane, magical thing to think that I've been so many places, like Mexico, Canada, U.S., Sweden, everywhere. I mean, I could go on and list for I've been to China like a dozen times now, <laughs> um, and I kind of almost consider it like. A, you know, like my back door now, because uh, my backyard story, because it's just kind of like, hey, I'm like, this is pretty much the same time zone as Australia. I don't need to fly three days to get here and back. Sweet. And, you know, and and there's a lot of friendly people there in the community that I know and stuff. So China's always a real treat as well. And I, I love uh, all the food and everything. I mean, it's it's just kind of incredible. And it's it's cool to be part of such an interesting crew in StarCraft as well. Like the commentators we have in StarCraft, it's no other game and has has the same crew like we have the coolest commentators and and it's something like we all say it unashamedly it's it's not like us trying to say oh i'm cool but it's like you hang out with this group of people and it's i imagine it's very similar to being in in a a green room of like a a comedy club or hanging out with like a bunch of just really interesting like musicians and actors and stuff because it's just these big larger than life characters everyone is so funny but none of that everyone is incredibly passionate and and you've got this whole room of people who got into this thing with very little chance they were going to make money. Like, like none of them thought they were going to make money. I'm, I'm kind of compared to most of the casting crew, you know, one of these kind of later ones who came in when I was like, oh cool, I can probably maybe make a career out of this if I work hard and I'm really lucky, you know, I, I don't know, but hopefully it keeps getting bigger. But for them, they're like, yeah, well, you know, I was training full-time and if I won every tournament, I would win $15,000 that year if I was the best in the world, you know, but I didn't care. I loved it. So I kept playing and I believed it was gonna get bigger and and so I commentated and did this. And you talked it's just a cool group of people who um I think through caution to the wind. Um, or or even if they had other career and other stuff going on the side, they always dedicated like so much of their their private time and personal energy to just this passion. So it's um it's always like inspirational and energizing whenever I get to go to one of these events and just hang out with the uh the coolest group of esports commentators out there.
1: I think you are right though, where uh just from totally observing on the outside it, it seems like you guys all do kind of have a band and even in um in the gsl tournament today the most people aren't going to know this but two of the the bigger casters that kind of made the move to korea their names are tasteless and artosis and they were making a joke that they're still waiting for like some cop to kind of bust in and just be like you know this isn't a real job <laughs> you know like, <laughs> you gotta fucking do something with your life and they're like no no they pay us i swear
0: that's so them as well like they're so funny like it's it's so good because some sometimes like people who've never watched the gsl they tune into that show and they're like this is so weird (laughs) what is (laughs) these guys are just cracking jokes the entire time and then something important will happen in the match and and, you know suddenly like our toast gets super analytical and tasteless gets all excited and starts shouting and then it's like downtime between the matches and they just have the best back and forth banter and it's 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 so good because they're such veterans of the scene and i uh i think um it's for for me living in australia it's awesome because like the number of times i i just like listen to them every night whenever gsl is on and you're just giggling as you fall to sleep every evening because they're this two of the funniest humans ever and, and the way they bounce off each other is just fantastic um so yeah it's, it's really cool. it's, it's such a great experience. And actually to go back a bit, I like what you said about, um, you go to different cultures and places and it kind of changes your perspective, right? Like I like, um, I love the Tim Ferriss podcast and another, another Tim podcast. I imagine with your area, you'd be, you'd be a big fan as well. So I was, I was like, I'm pretty sure you are. I love when, you know, he, he brings it up a lot and I love the way he puts it where, you know, he says, um, it's just something where you realize how many made-up rules there are in your own society when you travel Mm. And, and he always talks about like when he went to japan um when he was younger and he kind of realized like wait like what you guys just this every so many things that are different this is this is wild and he realized like wait why is the way that we do it correct you know and you kind of it's just the more experiences you get the more perspective you get and the more you realize that there there's a lot of um social constraints that we self-enforce upon ourselves and like no one's really forcing you to to just you know toe the line and do the exact same thing as everyone else but we have this natural innate human quality where it's like oh we're we're pack animals you want to be in the middle of the pack you don't want to be like the weird one because you might get rejected from the pack and you can't survive but it's 2019 more than ever you, you might get rewarded for going outside the pack and doing your own unique weird thing you know if, if I think like embracing your difference and just kind of being who you are and and that sort of thing it's uh it's something where you know we, we shouldn't be afraid to question right and that's something i i always found with uh with starcraft i guess i developed as well it's, it's it forces you to constantly question because it's like this game of imperfect information so you kind of come up with rules but the rules always they're never 100 percent. so you're like this is a rule i follow this rule and then you you Got to kind of feel when not to follow that rule and you've got to base it off your intuition and your feeling, similar to in poker right there's percentages but you can't just play the percentages at a poker table or you will lose you know mm-hmm. um in, in the long run to the person who knows how to read people and play off their intuition and that sort of stuff so it's just kind of fascinating because there's these these certain things they force you to constantly reevaluate constantly to kind of you, you you make rules because they're useful and they help you streamline your production and your life and everything. And then you've got to, once in a while, grab the sledgehammer and smash all your rules down and build it back up again. And that's something we naturally resist. But if you learn how to do that, it's, it's like a great skill for your
1: entire life, I reckon. I think that's a real perfect spot to kind of wrap this up. And I couldn't agree more. There's a, a book called Lynchpin that really changed my life by this guy named Seth Godin, where he talks about um, just how our society was basically built on factory workers. And if you wanted to kind of succeed, it was all about just finding your spot in line and you know the 30-year mortgage. But in the world we live in now, since everything could be commoditized, the, if, if that's your gig, then the only thing you can do to really separate yourself is be cheaper. And so uh, eventually it's a, it's a race to the bottom because if there's so many people trying to fill the same spot, you know, the, the cheapest person is going to win. And so the, the real way in today's world to differentiate yourself is just to, like you said, it's, it's to be weird. It's to be different. It's to be unique. It's to be that guy that's actually not afraid to like step outside of the cave when his pack is, is protecting him, you know, because that's, that's the survivalist in us. Like that, that brain, that lizard brain, he calls it is still super, super powerful. And, uh, and I think if there's kind of one thing out of all the, the amazing stuff that we've gone through in this conversation, if people can kind of leave this episode feeling okay with knowing that like, hey, there's some, there's some guy in Australia that basically built a career that allows him to live his life, make money and travel the world by playing a computer game. Like, maybe I can also do this thing as well. It's, it's totally possible in the world we live in, man. And I just, I fucking love that.
0: It's so sick. It's been awesome, man. I mean, this has been a really cool conversation. I, I love a chance to come on these and yeah, I think it's something where, um, there's, there's like, <laughs> not, not everyone can, you know, it's like people get angry. It's like, we, we can't just you can't just be whatever, you know, you're like your parents would be like, you, you can be whatever you want to be, Jimmy. It's like, well, we can't, but at the same time, you kind of do need to believe you can whilst having a healthy dose of realism and hard work and all that stuff. Yeah. And you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta toe that line, right? It's like, it's, it's like, you can be anything. You just got to work hard for it. And, uh, and, and we're in a new crazy world. It's, it's going to be tumultuous. Uh, the economy is going to be looking totally different 20 years from now in our lifetime. We're going to see just drastically different ways of making yourself valuable to society and we've all got to be kind of flexible and just go with the flow so hopefully uh we all come out the better for it.
1: Yeah, hopefully man. Hey, Pig one last time. Thank you so so much for being on my show. Um, I I really enjoyed this conversation again. Maybe uh maybe in a couple of months we can kind of revisit, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the end of the year in Starcraft and uh hopefully I'll see you then, man. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Tim. Sure. Thanks everybody for listening. If you could, the best thing you can do to support my show is just simply to leave a rating, leave a comment, tell a friend. You can learn more about me at timstods.com. I will link all of uh, Pig's stream and his YouTube channel and his brand new website in the show notes uh, of my website. So you can follow him and check all his stuff out and uh, talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.